Tree, written by Isabella Saidi. Exterior, Central Park, morning. A tall but sickly-looking tree is planted alongside a walking path in Central Park. The path is not a popular one, but more for New York joggers trying to get away from the tourists. The tree is gray, even though the tree is on the off-beaten path, careless people still find their way to him. Tree has numerous advertisement posters stapled onto him. Most are ripped and some are intact. The species of the tree cannot be discerned due to the state that he is in. Clothes on, tree's unhealthy bark, browning leaves, dry soil beneath it, etc. A man in his 20s runs by and spits phlegm on the tree's trunk. Thank you so much. Now I got your saliva with bits of fake chocolate protein bars and steroids on my roots. What a perfect way to start my day. Filthy creature, hope that the climate change crisis kills you. The woodpecker ignores him and flies away when man and woman approach. They hold hands, giggling. Should we carve our initials? <laughs> they look around at the trees. They see the healthy ones and think it would be a shame to carve their initials into their bark. Then they spot tree. Nobody will care what happens to this tree. The man begins to carve small initials onto tree. Ow! What are you doing? What does it look like carving our initials? Can you maybe not do that? I knew that humans had no souls, but I didn't know they were completely heartless. <laughs> I'm done anyways. The man and woman walk away as a toddler and her mom walk toward tree. The little girl finishes eating a New York hot dog and gives the wrapper to her mother to dispose of. Don't give this to me. Throw it in the trash. I don't want to hold it. I don't care. The little girl sees Tree and decides that it's the equivalent of a trash can. She throws the wrapper at the base of Tree and continues walking. Great. I guess instead of reuse, reduce, and recycle, it's throw your trash on your neighborhood Central Park tree. A dude in his 20s walks by holding a bunch of posters. He takes out a stapler and staples the posters one by one onto tree. The first is an advertisement for a rap battle, and the winner is promised a $20,000 prize. The second is for a pizza-making class taught by goats. Ironically, the type of pizza the class will teach you to make is one with goat cheese. The last one is for a psychology study asking for participants to crash their cars and get their emotional response to it measured. No one wants to read this stupid shit. But the dude ignores him and walks away. <sighs> Why does nobody respect me? Why do these things keep happening to me? Suddenly the sky darkens and rain begins to downpour. The other trees next to tree have a great umbrella made of leaves to cover and protect themselves but the thin leaves on tree are no match for the strong force of the water droplets. Tree's trunk becomes saturated, and the stream of water running down its bark is joined by salty tree tears. Exterior, Central Park, day. The next day, tree is in the exact same place as before, except with this new day, sunshine gradually dries it. A child and nanny walk on the path that tree is on. The child wears soccer cleats and a soccer uniform. Your mother said you can't have more than three pretzels a day. I'm hungry. I want some more. How are you so hungry? You've had three pretzels in the past 30 minutes. Buy me pretzel. Unless you plan on paying? No way. I want a pretzel. 
And I want your mom's Gucci purse. But we can't always get what we don't have. The child struggles to accept no as an answer. To take out her anger, she begins to kick objects with her sharp soccer cleats. She spots Tree and decides that this would be the best next substitute to a soccer ball. She goes up to Tree and starts kicking him. Stop it! Stop it! You can talk. Every tree can. You must not be paying attention in your botany class. Botany? It doesn't matter how you pronounce it. Stop kicking me. I think I'm a good tree. I follow laws and such, pay my taxes and dues. I even donate to NPR whenever they do donation drives. I don't care. Just stop kicking me. Or else what? Or else what? Yeah, what are you going to do to make me stop kicking you? I will... I will... Tree is at a loss for words. He thinks about what he can do and realizes that as a tree, there is nothing for him to do. Come over here right now or I'm taking away your phone charger. To that threat, the child's face blanches white and she runs to catch up to her nanny, leaving Tree now lost in thought. What can I do? Whatever height and power Tree had before is now gone. All of his branches seem to droop even more pronouncedly. I'll ask the older trees. They must be aware of some tree capabilities. Exterior, Central Park, late afternoon. Tree is now speaking to his tree neighbor, Mateo, an aspiring stand-up comedian. Mateo, I have a favor to ask you. Sure, sure, just listen to this first. Whenever dogs bark at me, I always get so confused. Everyone already knows I have bark. Why are dogs trying to tell everyone that again? Get it? Because we have bark? Listen, I have bigger things to deal with than to listen to your comedy. So you don't like it? The city once put caution tape around you for a month. Yeah, because what I'm saying is dangerously funny. Listen, I need you to send a message for me. Okay, who's it to? The park elders. What do you want me to ask them? What can trees do? That's such an easy question. We can grow leaves and grow super tall. I don't care about that stuff. I mean, what can we do to prevent someone from bothering us? What do you mean? All right, let me paint you a hypothetical situation. Let's say some annoying kid was bothering you, and then you tell him to stop, but then he says, or what? What can I do? I mean, I can't call his mother or report him to the authorities, can I? I can't take more drastic measures like buying a pretzel and throwing it at his face. I can't even walk away from the situation. I'll send a message to the park elders. Mateo whispers something to the tree next to him. The tree next to him then whispers something to the next tree. This continues until the message reaches an elder tree. Elder tree looks very wise. She wears a big pair of round glasses, specially fitted for the face of a tree. You have to use your skills of communication. You can ask others for help. This message gets relayed back to tree. Communication skills? That's all I have? So essentially, I can't do anything. Tree sits with this information and ponders it. 
Exterior, Central Park, Sundown. The sun goes down and Tree is in darkness, still thinking about his revelation. Exterior, Central Park, Sunrise. The sun comes up on Tree. Exterior, Central Park, Sunset. And then goes down again on Tree, still thinking. Exterior, Central Park, Day. A new day. Tree's finally finished his pondering and has a newly formed view. If I can't do anything, then what purpose do I have? I see all these humans walking, being able to do so much. They can travel the world. They can walk down to the bodega and pet bodega cats. They can drink overpriced coffee that they spend so much time complaining about. They can shake hands. They have a purpose. I want to be able to do those things. I want those experiences. I can't, though. If I can't do those things, do I have a purpose? I would like to know the answer. I think a lot of people's purpose is to help others or to be able to cause change. If I can't move, then do I have a purpose? If I don't have a purpose, then am I alive? Whoa, this is way too much for this early in the morning. Last night's partiers haven't even begun their walk of shame yet. <laughs> Interior, office building, business meeting room, morning. A large round table fills a modern looking room. Central Park can be seen out the windows. The walls are covered in abstract art. Three people, Jess, Clarence, and Thea, sit around the table. They all wear cheap, tacky suits. Michelle sits at the head of the table. She wears a professional-looking pantsuit with shoulder pads. So, how's our inventory looking? Well, so far we've had several artists from over 20 countries donate their art pieces to us. Somebody from Germany donated a giant mirror with the words, The Monster, on the glass. Oh, perfect! It'll really make people think. What else? Well, from Turkey, we have a giant telescope that can be positioned at different heights so people can see the same thing at different perspectives. Ah, perfect! I think the best piece out of the collection is a giant bronze tree. What is the symbolism behind it? Remember, all pieces that are going to be in our new museum should have some deeper meaning besides purely aesthetic purposes. Well, according to the artist's statement that was sent to us... Thea takes a piece of paper from a small briefcase. I hope the enormity of this tree reminds viewers about the enormous impact that trees have in cleaning the pollution from our atmosphere and to remind people about how disastrous the problem of deforestation in the Amazon is and will continue to be for our climate if it's continued to be allowed. Michelle gets up from her chair. I love it! I want this piece to be at the center of our museum. There's just one problem. What? There's no problem too big to keep me from giving this piece the attention it deserves. A sculpture is too big to fit in the museum room. Well, then where can we put it? I guess we could put it outside. Perfect! In Central Park? I know there are a bunch of concession carts in Central Park. Maybe we can get some type of permit to put the art out there, too. Ah! We can call the exhibition Art in the Park. Oh, I love this idea. Kids, I want you to get to work getting everything in order to install the art in Central Park. <laughs> Don't talk to me until it's done. 
Michelle gets up and walks out. The team start to make phone calls and type on their computers to organize the installation. Exterior, Central Park, Day. Jess, Clarence, and Thea walk in the park with Tim. He's with the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. The Parks and Rec Department is very happy to hear about your art in the park initiative. We absolutely love ideas that rhyme. So we're approved to install the art piece? <laughs> Rightio. The public art coordinator cleared your piece. Is there anything we can do to help with the installation process? Yes, well, you see this sculpture is quite large, and I don't think there's enough space in the park that's large enough for the entirety of the piece. Hmm, that might be an issue. How much land do you need? Well, what about the size of a fairly large tree it takes up? I have a great idea. We have a couple dying trees that need to be cut down. We could put your installation there. The art piece is about bringing awareness to deforestation. Wouldn't it be a little hypocritical to cut down a tree to put the art piece there? No, don't worry. We have to cut down this tree anyway. It's dead. Jess takes out her hand for a handshake. Well then, everything's settled. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. From one art appreciator to another. They shake hands. Tell Michelle the good news. Clarence takes out his phone and dials Michelle. We got the space. Interior, office building, business meeting room. Continuous. Michelle's on the phone with Clarence. Uh, very, very good. <laughs> Intercut between Clarence and Michelle. Michelle laughs maniacally. What's so funny? A bird just flew into the window. Sorry, I have maniacal laugh syndrome. Should I get you some medicine for that? <laughs> no, Clarence. Just meet me back in the meeting room so we can go over the logistics of everything. Exterior, Central Park, morning. The next day, the leader of the Parks and Rec Department's Tree Risk Management Program, Jorge, stands in front of Tree, along with Tim and Thea. He wears a business suit along with a construction hat. So, Jorge, I think we should cut down this tree. It violates the high standards of a suitable tree that are set by the International Society of Arbor Culture and the American National Standards Institute. Okay, nerd. Let the expert here decide whether or not this tree is suitable for the park. After all, I am the head inspector at the Tree Risk Management Program. Jorge inspects tree. Yup, you were right. Why do we always fight, Jorge? I'd love to listen to this relationship being psychoanalyzed, but my boss wants a vacant space in Central Park ASAP. Jorge, can we cut down this tree? Yes, we can. However, this tree is not a high priority to be cut down. It definitely looks like it's dying, but because this area isn't very frequented and it's quite small, there's a very low risk the tree will fall and damage something. When will you be able to cut it down then? We're on a very tight schedule. Well, we have about four higher priority trees than this. After we finish work on those trees, we'll be able to cut down this tree. How long until you finish the work? Wow, you like asking questions, huh? You and the Parks Department Commissioner would be best friends. To answer your question, it depends. There are a lot of factors, like how long the line is in the morning at Zabar's. My guess could be anywhere from a week to a month. And there's no way you guys can prioritize this tree? 
Are you bribing me? Get this guy out of my park now! Exterior, Central Park, later. I can't... I can't believe it. You can't believe what? You didn't hear? They're gonna cut me down. Wow. Really? Yes! What am I gonna do? Why didn't you talk to them? You're always yelling at people. I don't know. I guess when I heard about people planning my death, I just sort of froze up. Why didn't you say anything, Mr. Comedian? What was so important that caught your attention? There was a naked guy dancing by the fountain. Ah, yes. And when I get cut down, the naked guy will be the audience for your idiotic stand-up comedy. You don't like my jokes? I'm sorry, Mateo. I, I think your jokes are funny. I'm... I'm I'm just feeling a lot of emotions right now. The more I think about it, maybe getting cut down wouldn't be so bad. Hey, don't say that. Why not? I mean, look how bad my life is. It's almost spring and everyone has all their green leaves back except for me. Nobody stops to admire me anymore. All people do when they see me is use me as tree garbage. And honestly, people throwing garbage at me? That I can take. But people just look at me so differently. I can imagine what types of thoughts are going through their heads. Uh, look at that ugly tree over there. He'll never find love. Besides the fact that I'm probably going to be alone forever, I don't even have a purpose. And the only thing I do is sit here and listen to you. <laughs> you know what you should include in your sketches? My life. I find it very hard to believe that you don't have any purpose. I know it's sad, but it's true. There's nothing you're looking forward to? Nope. Think about it. I know you love to think. Well, I guess there's one thing. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. The cherry blossoms. When they bloom, their beautiful purple and pink colors bring color and happiness to even my grayest day. There you go. They're gonna bloom in like two months, and if you get cut down, then... You won't be able to see them. A little bird told me they're going to be extra beautiful this year. Just then, Moto the bird appears. Oh, there's the bird right now. Hey, Moto, get over here and tell my friend that the cherry blossoms this year are going to be extraordinary. As Moto flies by. He's right. And just like that, Moto's gone. Okay, okay. I, I don't want to be cut down right now. But what do I do? The Parks Department still does want to cut me down. Maybe we can get people to organize a protest or something. Maybe someone can padlock themselves to you and stay there until they promise not to cut you down. That's a good idea, but who can we ask? People that walk by. Look, there's someone right now. A jogger heads toward the trees. You talk. Hey, lady! The jogger pauses her run but then continues to run in place. She makes a gesture that says, who me, with her hands. Yes, you, get over here. Yes? Would you be willing to protest the cutting down of my friend over here? Close on the ugliness of tree. Suddenly, the jogger takes off, running with a faster speed. No one is going to help me. I'm going to die. If I can't prevent them from cutting me down, then... What's the point of trying to be happy or looking forward to things? Listen, we'll find someone to help you. You'll get to see the cherry blossoms. I promise. Promises are always broken.
Interior, Columbia University, Environmental Science Room, Day. Catherine is a senior and an environmental science major at Columbia. She sits in a classroom that resembles the Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory, where senior thesis research is done. Catherine and her classmates are being introduced to the research project requirements by Dr. Ankle, dressed in a bohemian suit. The room is filled with the nervous, anxious chatter by students about to complete another chapter in their life. My seniors, you are one assignment away from being released into the real world. Unless some of you feel like a lost dog and decide to go to graduate school. I and other professors will be assisting you as you create your final research project showing an application of what you've been learning throughout the course. The due date will be in one month. Are there any questions? Pan over, different students in the classroom. A male student is furiously writing in his notebook. A female student has already begun bookmarking journal articles on her computer. Another male student spills some coffee on himself. We land on Catherine, who sits staring directly at the professor, neither engaged or distracted. Her attire looks like one that was hastily put together. She wears an elegant-looking watch. Is there a specific theme from the course that we should write the paper on? Project could be a combination of many different themes that we learned in class. How am I supposed to figure this out? That's the challenge. This project should incorporate the aspects that you have become most passionate about in the course. Dr. Ankle checks the time. Okay, class is dismissed. Remember, in one month, this project is due. Everyone exits, except for Catherine. Is this really the last assignment for the curriculum before we can graduate? Sure is. Crazy how time has passed. Don't you think you should assign a couple of more things? We still haven't fully discussed the impact the shift between food sources from hunting to planting has had on the Earth system. <laughs> Catherine, you have always been the class clown. I know the directions of the thesis may be a little bit tricky, but the real purpose of the thesis is to help you figure out what you want to do with this undergraduate degree. There's a wide array of professions you can enter with this degree. Law, business, diplomacy, public health, journalism. The way that you think will be the most fun way to address one of the environmental problems can sometimes help you figure out what you want to do next year. So, what has been something that has been particularly interesting to you? Nothing has really stood out to me. Well, if I were you, I would focus and take some time to really think about what I am passionate about. Just don't waste time, because this thesis is going to make or break whether you can graduate. But... You have one month. See me in office hours if you have any more questions. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to clean up some spilled coffee. Exterior, Central Park, morning. The next day, Catherine walks alone in the park. She's dressed in warm clothing, holding a pencil in one hand and a notebook in the other. What am I passionate about? She sees some ants on the ground. What am I passionate about? Hmm. <laughs> the lesson about how many ants get stepped on every year was pretty interesting. Can I write a whole paper addressing that, though? She sees an ice cream seller. Maybe I could write about how sugar mills produce toxic waste? I love ice cream, though, so it might be a bit hypocritical. Catherine purchases ice cream from the seller. She walks while eating it. She then sees an outdoor music performance. She stands with the crowd, watching the guitarist. 
The guitarist plays a cover of Break On Through to the Other Side by The Doors. Cut to Exterior, Central Park, Late Afternoon. The guitarist is still playing music. Catherine is still watching. She realizes that the day is almost over. Exterior, Central Park, Sunset. Catherine looks for a bench to watch the sunset. She finds one and then sits down. She then checks her phone and is flooded with messages from her classmates about all the progress that they've made on their theses. She scrolls anxiously through every text. She turns off the phone, defeated. She lays on her back and continues to watch the sky. Suddenly, she starts to cry. A desperate cry of hopelessness and anxiety. And then... I wouldn't do that if I were you. Who was that? Who's telling me to stop crying like I don't have the right to cry? I don't care if you cry or not. I'm just saying you shouldn't lay down on that park bench. Why? Just trust me. Thank you, I guess. Who are you, anyway? I'm the tree that's right next to you. Reveal. Tree is right next to the bench. Oh. But, you know, by all means, continue your crying. Crying's good for the soul. I myself had the best cry of my life recently, too. Why were you crying? Why were you crying? Well, I'm trying to graduate with this environmental science degree, and my last assignment is to write a thesis addressing, in a creative way, an environmental problem that we learned about in class. The issue is I have not learned about anything that I'm really passionate about. Just seeing how ahead all my friends are kind of overwhelmed me. Why were you crying? I'm about to get cut down and nobody will help save me. I'm so sorry, that is way worse than my problem. Why won't anyone help you? I don't exactly fit in with the beauty standards of other trees. Just last week, the city wanted to put in a new water fountain where an orange tree was, but the people of New York City wouldn't let that happen. You know what? I'll help you. What? Uh, what about your project? I don't want to think about my project or school or anything right now. I want to help you. Okay, I won't argue with you. So in order to help you, I need to know everything? Why are you going to be cut down? Well, I'm not really sure the exact reasons, but I think it's because the department thinks I'm a dead tree. Even though I might not look my best right now, I am 100% alive. Okay, then I'll call up the Parks and Rec Department first thing, when they open tomorrow, and talk to them then. Uh, wait, it seemed like the department was being giving orders to cut me down from someone else. Well, do you know who? The guy was wearing a museum t-shirt and dress shoes. He couldn't have walked very far to get here. What was the logo on the shirt? It had an image of a gavel on a canvas. Wait, how do you know the person didn't just drive here? He didn't look like he could handle the roads. Interior, cafe, morning. Catherine sits at a cafe table with her laptop open. She ponders the lead that Tree gave her and searches for museums near the park. Exterior, Central Park, morning. Mateo and Tree, side by side. Are you feeling better? Not really. Why? That girl doesn't look like an idiot. I really think that she's gonna help you. But how about if she can't? I mean, how about if I'm destined to die? Destined to die? Like, it's my fate. Like it was Oedipus's fate to kill his father and marry his mother. No matter how hard Oedipus tried, he couldn't escape it. An Oedipus could take action for himself, and I can't. I mean, how can some college girl stop me from being murdered? 
Whoever wants to do this to me obviously has a lot You've of power. You've got to stop reading They were even able to get Jorge out of his office, which he never leaves. You know we're all going to die, right? It's not fate. It's a fact. I know that, of course. But I mean, it's my fate that I'm going to die prematurely. Well, are you a tragedy written by Sophocles? No. Unlike Oedipus, you are in charge of your own destiny. There's no force that will ensure whether you die or live. You can control what your outcome will be to some extent. Right now, Catherine is your best chance at survival. Interior, cafe, late afternoon. Catherine's engrossed in her computer as she continues to do research. She clicks on the first Google search result and an advertisement for the museum is shown. Catherine clicks on the page and sees the same logo that the tree was talking about, the Museum of Symbolism. This matches the logo that Tree was talking about, but how can I get there? She looks up the website for an address and finds one. She puts the address into her phone's map app, and it shows that the location is 15 minutes away from the cafe that she is eating at. She gathers her things and takes one final sip of her coffee. She spits the coffee out as it burned her tongue, and people at the cafe look at her. How is this still hot? Match cut. Top of coffee dissolves into sewer drain. Exterior. New York City streets. Continuous. Catherine walks on a mission. Exterior. Office building. Continuous. The museum is located inside a tall skyscraper with many business offices. But the building and its landscape are anonymous. There's no indication of the museum other than on the directory. Catherine looks for the name and she spots it. The directory shows Museum of Symbolism, 11th floor. Catherine walks to the elevator. Interior, office building, elevator, continuous. Catherine travels up to the 11th floor. Interior, office building, Museum of Symbolism, late afternoon. The elevator opens. Catherine sees a janitor playing miniature golf in the business meeting room. She walks cautiously toward him. Hello, do you work for the museum? Well... Technically, I work for the building. Is there anyone here that does? I have something very urgent that I need to discuss with them. Michelle gave everyone the week off to pursue their hobbies before they have to work extra next week during the unveiling. Unveiling of what? The new art exhibit. What kind of art exhibit? From what I know, all their exhibits have to do with some sort of symbolism that tries to confront things bad about society. Take a look at the telescope over there. He gestures to the telescope in the corner. Catherine looks at it. Some lad from Turkey donated that telescope as a way to say that we should look at things from different perspectives other than our own. So I assume that their new art exhibit will be something of that sort. They must want that tree cut down to make room for their new art exhibit. What was that? Um, where can I find this Michelle or somebody else that works here? I'm not sure where Michelle could be, but I know that during his free time, Clarence would be watching a Mets game. Okay, thank you so much. Also, does Clarence have any identifying information that would help me find him in a crowd? Mm, whenever I see him, he's wearing a red fedora. A red fedora. Okay. Exterior, office building, late afternoon. Catherine sits on the curb. She digests all the information that she just learned as she looks up the next Mets game. She discovers that there's one today, starting soon. I bet Clarence will be at the game. She goes to her phone to try to purchase a ticket, but everything's sold out. 
How am I going to get into this game? She searches on her phone and sees that journalists get free tickets to all MLB games. Maybe I can ask Dr. Ankle if the school can get me a newspaper press badge or something. Cut to Interior, Columbia University, Dr. Ankle's office, soon after. Dr. Ankle sits behind his desk. The office is decorated with plants and pictures of the professor's cats. It's very cozy. Catherine runs in out of breath. How are you doing today, Catherine? Dr. Ankle, is there any way that I can get a student journalist pass? I can figure out a way to get you one if you're doing something related to your major. Catherine thinks up a lie on the spot. Well, I recently learned that baseball games are awful for pollution. Not only the massive amounts of electricity used for the stadiums, but the food waste that occurs from all the concession stands. So I want to visit a baseball game and write an op-ed about what I see. Okay, that sounds good. I'll find a pass for you right away. Exterior, City Field, Evening. The darkness of the sky is contrasted with the fluorescent stadium lights. All around, people are waiting in their seats, anticipating the game to begin. Catherine is dressed in a matching gray trench coat and slacks, paired with a cream turtleneck. Around her neck lays a press pass with Columbia's logo. She stands on a high balcony surveying the crowd. Finally, she spots a man about 40 years old, wearing a distinctive red fedora. She walks over to his area. Exterior, city field, continuous. Catherine sits down next to the man in the fedora, hoping it's Clarence. Hello, my name is Catherine, and I really want to discuss something about the location of your new art exhibit. How'd you know who I am? I visited your office, and the janitor told me about you. Okay, I guess we have another hour before the game starts. What do you want to discuss? I really think that you should put your exhibit in another location. That plot of land already belongs to another living, breathing thing. What thing? A tree. The tree that lives there is alive, and if you remove him from the art exhibit, you will be committing murder. I don't think they allow murderers to watch Mets games. Listen, I wish I could help you, but I don't have the authority in the company to change bid decisions like that. Well, who does? I'm pretty sure that Jeff might be able to do something. He always looks like he knows what he's doing. Where can I find him? He's always talking about how much he loves Coney Island. How will I find him? He'll be the only adult without a child on the merry-go-round. Okay, I'll go tomorrow. Exterior, montage, Brooklyn, day. One Way or Another by Blondie plays as A. Catherine arrives at Coney Island. B. She approaches the visitor center and talks with the manager. C. She finds the merry-go-round and spots Jess. D. She explains the situation to Jess. She listens but shakes her head and gives Catherine a slip of paper with Thea's info. On the paper, a picture of a 1920s-era mustache on it, under the name Thea. E. Catherine leaves Coney Island. Exterior, Brooklyn Bridge, continuous. F. Catherine finds Thea on the Brooklyn Bridge and repeats the situation to her. She also proves to be no help, but she tells Catherine about Michelle. G. Before leaving, she engages in an impromptu conversation with a community service volunteer about trash cleanup. Exterior, Central Park, Day. Jorge's group is cutting down the trees that need to be cut down before the tree. They cut down the trees in a mechanical, inhumane way. Interior, taxi, day. 
Catherine is sitting in a taxi holding a map. The map has a building circled with the name Michelle next to it. Exterior, Central Park, late afternoon. Tree continues to be abused by external forces. Birds poop on him. People break off his branches for barbecue fire fuel. Others dump out their drinks on his soil. Interior, oyster bar, evening. Catherine enters a very luxurious oyster restaurant. The restaurant is decorated with nautical items. There is quiet chatter, and almost every table is occupied with multiple people, except for one. In the corner of the room, there is a very nice circular table. Michelle is seated at the solitary table, looking engrossed in the menu. Catherine walks over to the table and puts a chair down to sit. Are you Michelle? Michelle puts down her menu and faces Catherine. Yes, and who are you? My name is Catherine, and I was really hoping to talk to you about your new art exhibit. Michelle notices the press badge Catherine still has. Oh, are you doing a report for your school newspaper? I am more than happy to answer anything. Actually, I wanted to talk to you about an issue that's more of personal importance to me. Mm, which is? A good friend of mine lives on that plot of land that you're looking to house the new art installation on, and I suggest that you find somewhere else to put the art. Mm. My employees and park officials told me that the plot of land is vacant, except for a dying tree. Well, as it turns out, the tree is alive. So you're telling me, instead of displaying an art piece that will undoubtedly bring awareness to the multitude of environmental problems throughout the world, I should not cut down one tree? Yes, I'm saying that. <laughs> Are you actually serious? Yes. I don't think you understand what you're asking. This installation is going to bring me from obscurity in the art world to famous. I've been waiting my whole life to create something that will make a difference and make an impact. And this exhibit is it. If you want to make an impact, don't you want to make a good one? You're killing an innocent tree. Don't you think that removing a dying tree to replace it with a permanent metal tree that will last forever is a much better option that will help so many? It's like the trolley problem. Letting the trolley run over one man is better than multiple people. Did you just say that you're replacing the tree with a metal one? Yes. The tree will bring awareness to deforestation in the Amazon. Can your tree do that? I hope you can see the hypocrisy in this, right? Deforestation is all about cutting up trees that protect our atmosphere, and you are doing the very thing you are against. When I was younger, I would follow my mom around during her day job as a museum security guard. She was so amazing, keeping everyone in line with the ethics and rules of the museum. But the days of stopping people from licking the art soon became boring to her. She would tell me about her dreams to become a museum director. She worked very hard looking for and applying for jobs. But nobody would accept her with her limited education. I thought my being a director at some fancy museum would make us both happy. But then I realized that most museums still believed in the antiquated idea of unequal pay. I told them to keep their 71 cents for every dollar a male co-worker would make, and I went to start my very own museum. The Museum of Symbolism. 
Needless to say, I have worked hard to make everything perfect for the unveiling day, and I am not going to let a random college girl stop me. Catherine takes a deep breath and stands up, ready to deliver a carefully thought-out counter-argument, but... Also, don't you have a college to be at right now? Even though I kinda hate you, let me give you some words of wisdom. In today's workforce, employers won't even give you a chance without a degree. Did you know that New York used to be home to half of the world's oyster population? It was one of the city's most accessible food sources. But overfishing and pollution have killed the population. Now there's all this talk about conservation efforts. But really, how much has been done? Once you hurt something, you can never go back to how things were before. Exterior, Central Park, day. The next day, Catherine walks up to Tree, unsteadily and without her usual youthful confidence. She's dressed in noticeably mismatched clothes and carries an overstuffed bag. Catherine, tell me some good news. I'm sorry. What? Uh, sorry about what? I found and talked to the people who want to cut you down. I couldn't convince Michelle, the person in charge. They want to cut you down and replace you. Re replace me with what? A giant metal tree made by some foreign artists to bring awareness to environmental problems. Wow. So we really are all going to be replaced by robots. Tell me you see the hypocrisy in this. I brought that up. She said she didn't care. You could have convinced her. I mean, aren't you supposed to be super smart? I mean, there, there must be something really wrong with you if you have an environmental science degree and you can't even educate someone on the importance of trees. I don't have my environmental science degree yet. I'm supposed to be working on my thesis, but I've been helping you with this stuff. Don't blame me for that empty head of yours. I'm not the one who can't think of an idea after a month. If you can think of ideas, why have I been helping you? Why don't you think of a way to get around town yourself then? I would do a much better job of talking to this Michelle figure if I could. You better save your voice, because you're going to have to say your last words soon. Get away from me now. Catherine scoffs and then turns to walk away. She stops, pulls a water bottle from her bag, and throws it on the ground in front of Tree. Sorry, I'm so dumb I forgot how to pick up my trash. She walks away angrily and doesn't turn back. Rain starts to pour. Exterior, New York City streets, late afternoon. Catherine walks back to her dorm in the rain. Interior, Columbia University, dorm room, evening. Catherine's room is filled with various items that do not share a common theme. There's sharp juxtaposition. A thin layer of dust settles on the top of her desk, and when she tries to turn on the desk light, she notices the bulb is out. Cut to... Interior, Columbia University, dorm room, soon after. Catherine has cleaned the dust and changed her light bulb. She opens her computer and is greeted with a reminder of how her thesis is due the next day. She looks at the screen and puts her head in her hands, defeated. Exterior, Central Park, night. The park is quiet and gloomy after the rain. The park lights cast tree in an eerie glow. Tree looks more despondent than before. Hey, you look really sad. What's up? Catherine failed me. My finale has arrived before I could even make my debut. 
My life was just beginning, and now it has already come to an end. Life is so ironic. Two weeks ago, I wanted to die, and now somebody else wants me to die. My only chance at survival failed. I thought trees were supposed to stand for hundreds of years. The mighty oak provides shade for generations. The apple tree gives apples every year. Tourists count on cherry blossoms to bloom every year. I am the deviation from the trees. The one who has to die. Look, Catherine could still come back. Maybe she just got hungry or something. And we'll be back in the morning with some amazing solution. We had a very bad fight. I don't think she's coming back. Interior, Columbia University, dorm room, night. Catherine still has her head in her hands. Her stomach rumbles, signaling that it's time for her to eat. Catherine puts on her coat. Exterior, Columbia University, dorm building, continuous. Catherine hails a taxi. Interior, Joe's Pizza, continuous. Catherine walks into the pizzeria and has an air of melancholy about her. She plans to buy a slice of pepperoni pizza, hoping to drown her sorrows with a pool of warm cheese and perfectly smoked slices of meat. The pizza place is bustling with crowds of people who are from all walks of life. There is a long line, and Catherine waits at the end of it. Cut to... Interior, Joe's Pizza, later. Catherine reaches the front of the line and orders a slice of pepperoni pizza from a cashier. Sorry, we just sold our last slice. What? Yeah, the guy before you bought all the pepperoni slices. Why he didn't just order a whole pizza will keep me up at night. Which guy? The one who looks like a foreign artist. In the corner, a tall man wearing a beret and a turtleneck grabs utensils. He's in conversation with a group of people. Catherine approaches him. The night before our new show, I always eat five slices of pizza. The group laughs. You guys are all coming, right? It's the first time that any of my work will be featured in Central Park. The group murmurs confirmation. Excuse me, are you the artist from Turkey that's going to be featured in the Central Park tomorrow? The group gives awkward glances to Catherine. Why, yes. My, my, I already have fans. My name is Hamza. Catherine wonders whether she should keep fighting for tree or ask Hamza for a slice of pizza and leave to work on her thesis. I love my fans. Do you want to eat with us? I have lots of extra pizza slices. Catherine remembers the fight with Tree and all the hurtful words that were said to her. Sure. She joins the group to chat and eat pizza. She has a plate with a very tasty piece of pizza placed on it. Everybody, I am so proud of how successful all of my art pieces have been doing. Touring the world and helping people understand just how important nature is. To celebrate my newest art piece, I think we should all go around and talk about your favorite exhibit thus far. Uh, Well, I really admired the first piece that you did in Kenya, making rhino tusk jewelry to show the problems with poaching in the country. (laughs) I remember that day like it was yesterday. I thought it was amazing when you traveled to the Antarctic and used a blowtorch to melt some glaciers to make a statement about global warming. Catherine listens to these stories in disbelief. As the dedicated fan you are, what has been your favorite exhibit of mine? I can't do this. I'm not a fan. In fact, I had never heard of you until recently. I didn't come here to hear these grotesque stories. I'm here because I want to make a change for the better. 
I want to actually help save nature, not like you guys. Do you actually think what you're doing is good? You want to bring awareness to poaching, but you kill the rhinos? You hate global warming, but you're contributing. It is so disgusting that people like you can walk around all hunky-dory as you do things like this. I cannot believe that you just disrespected my art to my face. Maybe my art doesn't have the type of awareness you want, but it brings awareness to how we can exploit nature. That's why the environment is so important. Well, I'm going to stop you, because I don't believe what you're doing is right. All my life, I've been doing things just because other people wanted me to. I worked hard in high school because my parents wanted to see a sparkling report card. I applied to Columbia because my college guidance counselor told me that I would be a good fit. I became an environmental science major because all my friends were doing it. It's time for me to finally stand up for what I believe in. Right now. I believe in protecting nature and protecting my friend, Tree. Who you want to cut down. I'm not going to let that happen. No matter how badly Tree made me feel, I will not let him die. Whatever you want to do, it's too late. Michelle has already organized everything. All the work orders are in place, the permits are secured, and the Parks and Recreation crew are going out to cut that tree down tomorrow. I don't care, even if it's impossible. Even if I try and nothing happens, the only way that I'm going to fail is if I don't try. Catherine grabs her piece of pizza and throws it into the compost bin. She then runs out of the store and into the night. Exterior, Central Park, midnight. Thick sap runs down the tree, mimicking human tears. I'm going to be dead in hours now. This is the last time I will see the beautiful moon. Oh, moon, I wish I was like you. You're so powerful and bold. Even from so far away, you, you control our bodies of water and... Just then, tree hears footsteps approaching. Catherine arrives, holding a megaphone and a metal chain. Catherine! Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I let my anger control my words. You're my only hope. Please, please forgive me. I forgive you, Tree. Listen, I have a new plan. We don't have much time before tomorrow. She chains herself to Tree. Uh, what are you doing? They won't cut you down for as long as I'm chained to you. That will buy us some time, but we need more support. I can talk all day long about why you need to live, but if you don't believe in yourself, nothing will happen and nobody will care. People learn about things in textbooks all the time, but they'll only feel sympathy and empathy when they see something happening in the real world. How do we show that? Well, we need to think of a really passionate and strong speech that you can say into the megaphone to the large crowd that I'm sure will gather in the morning. People also really respond to visual aids, like graphic art and charts. I think I can make something really quickly on my computer if we think of something. Uh, before you put all this effort into saving me, I'm, I'm still worried. I mean, how about you save me right now, and then two weeks later, some other random wacko tries to cut me down again? Or, or, or how about a, a fire starts tomorrow and I burn down? I mean, do, do you really think it's worth spending all this time to help me? I really don't know. Maybe some would laugh at me for doing all this work. Maybe some would scoff at me for doing too little. All I know right now is that I want to help you. And in this moment, there's something that can be done. I'm not going to think about all those possibilities right now because I can't control what's going to happen in the future. If one of those possibilities turns out to be true, we will deal with it then. But I'm focused on helping you right now. Okay. Let's get to work. Exterior, Central Park, morning. The next day, Moto the Bird flies through the park with lightning speed. She lands on a group of trees one by one in the park, letting them know the importance of this day. Have you heard? Then to another tree. 
This artist wants to cut down tree. Ooh, back in the day, trees would never have let this happen. I agree. Do you really think they're gonna succeed? I don't know. There's some girl helping him. What girl? Somebody from Columbia University. I don't know her name. I think it's for the best. Maybe it won't happen. Cut to Central Park soon after. The demolition crew is getting set up around Tree. Crew members give side-eye glances to Catherine. Guests of the opening day ceremony are arriving to watch the show. Michelle's employees are gathered around Catherine. Nervous phone calls are being made. Michelle arrives looking very luxurious. There is no wrinkle in her dress and everything about her looks perfect. She pushes a hand truck and on top of the truck is the metallic tree. The tree is huge in size and made out of metal and adorned with gold leaf. And the shine of the gold can be seen as the sun reflects off the statue. She takes a look around the park and notices Catherine chained against the tree. What is going on here? She abandons the cart and runs toward her employees. She approaches Clarence. There's some girl chained to the tree we want to cut down. Yes, I can see that, Clarence. I have two eyes. Wait a minute. I knew this little twerp. She walks to Catherine. How were your oysters? Hmm, they tasted so good once you left. Oh, what a shame. I was hoping you would get food poisoning and die. <laughs> Let's cut the small talk. What exactly are you doing here? I'm here protecting my tree. You realize that we can cut these chains, right? Arrest you for civil disobedience and then cut down the tree? I do know that. But do you really want your grand opening to be sullied by the news of an arrest? You can't stay chained to that tree forever. And once you leave, I'll cut it down. And then we'll install the art piece. Michelle tries to draw excitement from the crowd, but they only produce a few shouts among mostly silence. Everybody, why do you want to cut down this tree? It cleans our air, gives us shade, and protects us from the rain. The tree is dead, Catherine. Everybody can see that. Catherine turns and whispers to Tree. No, I am not. Everybody turns their attention to Tree. Even Michelle is too stunned to speak. First of all, I don't even know what dead means. Does dead mean lifeless and lacking color? Then the florets of mature dandelions would be considered dead. Yet when the mighty wind blows, its seeds embed in the soil and sprout many more. The possum enters a catatonic state when threatened by an aggressor. However, it is not dead. When you see an ant on the floor crawling around in a pompous matter, you assume that the sharp pressure of the shoe will arrest the ant. However, when you lift that shoe up, the ant still marches away. A tree which lost its deep brown trunk color, whose leaves no longer reflect a magnificent green. Its photosynthesis abilities have been reduced to that of a toot of a small whistle. One might say this tree is dead. Even I did say this tree was dead lost in my own self-deprecating thoughts. How can one be alive if it simply does not do anything? What would even be the point of that? If you would have asked me many moons ago if I wanted to die, I would have said yes. I would have begged you to kill me. I wanted to be something that I could never be for so long. To have hands like you, feet that touch the earth like you. I wanted to be human. 
but I am a tree. And even in this state, that I want to remind you is not how I was born to be, I still have my purpose. Even on my thinning branches, the young bird can still sit and watch the world down below. My small stature is the perfect size for a child needing refuge from the sun. The small fruits that I produce are perfect for a starving ant to feast for days. The oxygen that I release still helps our world combat the carbon dioxide in the air. Even if you think my presence here does not impact your life, it does. And my abilities, along with everybody in the tree community, help you live in a better world. So if you want your lungs to be congested with fossil fuels or a surplus of ants bombarding your every meal, then I say cut me down. And as I mentioned before, I can't stop you. Even my good friends cannot help me forever. So my friend, the choice is yours. Call me a willow tree, cause things just got sappy. Listen to tree. Everything in life has meaning, small or big. We need flies to feed the spiders. We need spiders to feed the lizards. And we need lizards to be our pets. Exactly. Now tell Michelle that we're going to save our tree. You know what? Tell the demolition crew to knock the tree down anyways. All press is good press, right? I'd actually rather be infamous than famous. Nope. I will not help you with this project anymore. I'm a tree hugger now. Fine! I'll do it myself! She walks over to the crane and pushes the worker out of his seat. She climbs in and straps on the seatbelt. I'm going to fire all my young employees. They're too emotional for this job. While Catherine and Tree are celebrating, Michelle attempts to pick up the obviously very heavy statue with the crane. As she grabs the metal tree, the crowd notices and gasps. However, as she grabs the tree, the crane scrapes the gilded gold leaf off of the statue, revealing a very ugly puke green color underneath. Everyone is awestruck, including Michelle, who runs out of the crane and to the statue. I thought you said this was solid gold. Do you think you'd be able to purchase it if it was? You lied to me. You told me this would be the most exquisite and uncommon piece of artwork. You promised me that we were going to be the only museum on the entire East Coast with a gold tree. Well, I've still got my indigenous animal skin collection that demonstrates the decline of resources available to Aboriginal people in Alaska. What? Y yeah, I I'll sell it to you. Get out of here. You're not a real artist. I cannot believe I was guaranteeing my success on your artwork. You ruined my dream. Nobody talks to Hamza like that. I'm leaving on my own terms. Hamza notices the whole crowd has heard every word he's said. Are there any aspiring museum directors here that would like to feature my work? The crowd is very angry at Hamza. They throw the promotional merchandise for the unveiling at him. Even a t-shirt with his own face on it is thrown at him. New Yorkers are crazy. He leaves the park. Exterior, Central Park, evening. The crowd has gone home. The New York City Waste Management Program has picked up the gilded tree and plans to sell the metal to nonprofits involved with teaching kids how to weld sheet metal. Catherine is still talking to Tree, and Michelle sits on a chair looking very lost. Catherine realizes this and approaches her. Hey, 
Are you feeling okay? Hmm. My life's work just went down the drain. My dreams are shattered. My entire museum staff quit. Listen, you made a mistake. That's how we learn and grow, though. Nobody is born perfect. That is why there are so many opportunities in life. You'll have more chances. <laughs> this is so ironic. Just a couple of days ago, I was sitting opposite from you across a table, pretending that I knew better than you. I'm really sorry that I didn't see my mistake until I was forced to. <laughs> Could have saved us a lot of time. Yeah, I agree. But I'd like to thank you, actually. You've helped me discover what I want to do with my life. In a way, I kind of want to be like you. Hmm, power hungry? Well, minus that. I want to create awareness and protect the environment. Just, I want to do it in a non-destructive way. You know what? Do you want to work with me? I could really use somebody like you to keep me grounded. I'm going to seriously consider that offer. It's just, I don't have my degree yet. Call me when you do. You'll get hired right on the spot. Thanks. I gotta go and turn in my thesis paper. It's due at 11.59 tonight. <laughs> Good luck. Interior, Columbia University, Environmental Science Room, Day. The next day, Catherine defends her thesis. She stands in front of a panel of professors and other undergrads. The professors look very serious and hold notebooks to take notes and write questions. Her fellow students are earnestly waiting to hear what Catherine has to say. Exterior, Central Park, Day. Over the following, we hear Catherine reading aloud. Tree is now grand and tall. His leaves are a vibrant green, and his bark a rich brown color. When I was assigned to write my thesis, I had no idea what I wanted to write about. Honestly, I began to have second thoughts about why I even became an environmental science major. So I did what we all do. I tried to forget about the assignment and procrastinated out of fear that I would never find my topic and out of fear that I would fail. Instead of spending hours researching and finding primary sources, I began to spend my time hanging out with a tree. And that tree helped me find my passion for the environmental science field. The sun hits tree in the best way possible, highlighting his less noticeable beauty as well. He still has the scars of the previous misdeeds, but they now complement his new stature quite well. When I met Tree, he was a shell of his former self, harmed by the lack of care society gives to nature. But deep down, Tree had a spark of hope, and I helped him nurture that spark. I realized that there will always be people that will try and take advantage of the vulnerable, and there need to be people that advocate for the needs of those groups. And that is what my thesis explores. How to combat environmental injustices in the most effective way possible. I find it funny how often I hear of people complaining about something in our world, but then they take no action to change it. However, there, there is no such thing as an innocent bystander, and by not taking action, one is just helping perpetuate the situation. It's like how parents have to teach their children to shout fire in a public place to get people's attention and help if they need it. Because if something is not directly threatening others, then they won't do anything. My paper explores this narcissism that everyone possesses and how that harms people from taking action against things that do not seem like they would directly affect them. Just like how no one bothered to help Tree before because they thought the problem of deforestation was too many degrees beyond their life. Interior and exterior various. Montage.
Catherine's voiceover continues as we see A. Central Park Evening. Catherine sitting under tree, reading the Odyssey and other books about heroes prevailing over adversaries. B. Columbia Football Stadium Day. Catherine and other graduates walk up to a stage to receive their diplomas. There are balloons everywhere and a sense of camaraderie. C. Central Park Morning. A jogger tries to throw a candy wrapper onto tree, but Catherine stops him by pointing to a sign that says that the state of New York now protects all trees in Central Park. Fade to Interior Park Advocacy Office Morning. Time has passed, and Catherine has a job. She sits in a small office. Her degree is hanging on the wall behind her. On her desk are different pieces of paper describing different civilian-reported environmental concerns throughout the city of New York. Michelle walks into her office. Catherine, somebody from Queens just called about a bee outbreak at the public library? They're at a stalemate. Some people want to remove the bees by killing them. Others want the city to hire a professional bee remover. Tensions are getting very heated. Call me a cab. I'll get over there right now. Exterior, Central Park, day. A month later, Catherine sits on the bench next to tree. They enjoy the cherry blossoms together. So what do you think about this year's cherry blossoms? They're very pretty. Aren't you glad that you're alive to enjoy them? I... I don't think the reason I'm alive is because I desperately wanted to see the cherry blossoms. I mean, I've lived in this park for so many years, and I've seen so many magnificent years of cherry blossoms. Then what helped you change your mind? Mateo was telling me how much apprehension and ambiguity you had regarding your feelings about life. For a while, I believed that I would never get back to my normal life like this again. I'd fallen down the rabbit hole of feeling bad about my lack of control and power over how I felt and looked. I thought the only way to regain power was to die. But of course, you and Mateo helped me realize that I was wrong. I just had to learn to accept what my abilities are as a tree, and the fact that I cannot do everything by myself, even though I would much prefer it that way. I told you that seeing the cherry blossoms was my new reason to live because that seemed like a much easier response than the real reason. Which is that you cared about me so much and knew that I could succeed if I just persisted more. Even though my life still isn't perfect, I know that I have to keep on living through those bad days to get to the good ones. See, Tree? Catherine isn't a total idiot. Did you think I was? Don't care so much about what he thinks. <laughs> uh, is that a rhetorical question? Fade to Black. Connectopod reporter Isabella Saidi lost her battle with cancer this past summer at 17. She never told any of us about her illness, and her dynamo energy gave us no clues. She led her team on the Connectopod Los Angeles Public Library CSUN Strength United collaboration, the Domestic Violence Awareness Project, which culminated in a published graphic novel and three podcasts. She wrote this screenplay. We thought the best way to honor Isabella was to celebrate her talents and her energetic will to create in service of making the world a better place. In this screenplay, Tree, Isabella imagines a college experience that she would never get to have. 
This production has three elements that we hoped would add to the imagined college experience for Isabella. We assembled a group that included Connectopod youth peers, professional actors and audio producers, a professional director who is also a USC professor, and some of his students. We recorded at Literati Audio with sound engineer John Kavorik. Our cast was Andre Sogliuzzo as Tree, Lexi Cavinci as Catherine, Trevor Van Alken was Matteo and Mann, Christopher Giedig was Hamza, Tallman and Tim, Betsy Foldesmyman was Michelle and Elder Tree, Bob Bailey was Dr. Ankle, Victoria Benitez was Nanny, Jess, and Tree Number Three, Angelica Benitez was Thea, Woman, and Tree Number Four, Ishel Lopez was Toddler, Cashier, Demolition Worker, and Tree Number Five, Alan Keller played Clarence, Jorge, George, Janitor, Rowan Bailey played Moto and Woman Number One, Karina was our Bad Girl, Jogger, Woman Two, and Tree Number Six, Andrea Lopez was the Mom. The production was directed by Robert Bailey, produced by Betsy Foldis Myman. Post-production and sound design were done by Joe Foldis. We thought about this project as a gift to Isabella's memory and to her family, but in the end, it ended up being her gift to us. So thank you, Isabella. Rest in peace. <laughs>